Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 101 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Patrick Robertson, joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Gabriel Nassif. Hey, Pat. Hey, everyone. So, for those of you missing the giant, hello, everyone, and the well, well, well. Obviously, Harry is uh, indisposed this week. I think he's uh, failed to meet one of the deadlines for his university assignments, and so he is in the naughty corner uh, finishing that up. But Gab and I are going to get, get together. We're going to talk all about world championships. Bit of kind of standard, kind of go into the, the Grixis deck that Gab and his teammates played, and then we're just going to see where that leads us. Uh, Timestamps may be available. I don't know. That's kind of up to Harry when he edits the episode. But as always... Midweek Metagame is brought to you by Card Market. Card Market is an online marketplace for buying Magic the Gathering and other trading card games, singles, deck boxes, various different assorted paraphernalia. Yeah, you, you can buy, sell, uh, do whatever. It's a great place. It's a good resource. Go check it out. They've been sponsors of the cast for a while now. Uh, and also the, the podcast is brought to you by, brought to, brought to you by the, yourselves, the Patreons. I'm going to restart this. All right. That wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad? Okay, maybe I'll leave it in. Okay. All right. Anyway, the podcast is also brought to you, brought to everybody else by the Patreons. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash midweekmetagame to support the cast. You know, contributions start at as little as $1 an episode. You can get merchandise, all this sort of stuff. Get involved in the Discord. Do, that. do all that. Anyway, we jump straight into the episode after we've done shilling. So, Gab, World Championships this weekend. You played Grixis Epiphany. It was kind of a rogue deck up until deck list got leaked about three or four days before the event. So <laughs> why don't you start start us deck? Because I know that like, at the end of last episode, it was about four hours or so, or maybe 12 hours before these deck lists got leaked and you weren't revealing what you were playing. You were kind of alluding to it, but not getting there. So start from that spot, I reckon. Yeah, we talked a bit about green last week. Uh, we thought it was the best deck and uh, I think we're not playing green and we thought we had to figure it out. And um gonna be honest, I don't really know what's going on in standard. I don't know if green is actually a good deck, if it actually beats these blue red turns. I'll give it from my perspective. You know, we saw the the, the deck list got leaked. I think it was just someone who didn't click the right button on MTG Melee. There's probably a box you need to take that says private, and they didn't do that. So decks were leaked, which think was worse for us than for anyone else because we were not only was our deck maybe one of the most original lists but on top of that it was four of us playing the deck in the field so you get the most bang for your buck by testing against our list and if you know you want to practice against maybe Jean Manuel's list the treasure tokens deck or the team or treasures deck you know it's only one person in the field so we felt screwed I didn't think it was a huge deal, but obviously it was a bit annoying and, you know, there's no good fix. It definitely took a little bit of the excitement out of the air for round one of the tournament, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, did you actually, were you bummed? And Yeah, I was actually. I'd, I'd been strangely looking forward to this World Championship. I mean, I've obviously been a little bit disconnected with kind of competitive magic in the professional scene for, for a while, as you know, I'm sure many people will. Uh, feel roughly the same way, but I, I had a, a little bit of kind of excitement for Worlds. Uh, and part of that was the fact that you, you'd come up with some deck and you weren't even telling us about it. Like normally I kind of got a little bit of the inside track. I kind of know what's been going on, but, you know, play it coy maybe every now and then. But this time I had no idea what was going on. And then 
you know, it just it just kind of got out there. I was like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> there it is. And I obviously still watch a lot of worlds, but it did take it take it took the edge off. And I definitely agree with you that you your your team of four people, so twenty five percent of the field essentially got screwed the more the most. You know, people if people were going to put in a day's testing or something like that, they're definitely going to testing against your deck rather than against you know Maury's blue white deck or uh, Joe Emanuel's Tima deck. Yeah, so that happened, and we got to see the metagame breakdown. I was not very happy. It was a lot of is it turns and very little green. Tiny of white and blue white. The, the, the blue white list looked potentially scary, but I think it turned out to be okay. We weren't super happy with the white deck. We didn't test a ton against it. We tested maybe 10, 20 matches, and it seemed kind of okay. We actually made a few adjustments at the very end. To be a bit better against decks like white, we added a power word kill to the main deck, I believe, because we didn't figure dragons were going to be that popular, and white was doing well, and green was doing well, and um, yeah, it was it was a bit weird, right? We had the we had the feeling green was the best deck, we had a feeling we had a deck that was good against green, and the, the SCG tournaments results the weekend before kind of went in that way. But then green did really poorly, and uh, I'm still not sure why. It was just bad luck if people were really ready with their list to beat up green. Because in our testing, it didn't matter what our blue-red deck looked like, green always came up ahead. So it would actually be interesting to... You know, I haven't played so much standard since. I've played a bit. And honestly, not sure what's what's the best in standard what's going on who's favorite against who i think it's an interesting outcome of the weekend where you you're you've you've prepared all the way for this event and now you're like i have no idea what's going on it's only like five days removed or something from the tournament finishing yeah it's usually the other way around you figure a lot during the tournament and uh the, the results of the weekend of other tournaments seem to indicate that white was really good green green was still decent is it dragons was good and actual is it turns was not and, you know, I think maybe there's an illusion for a second that the turn deck was good because Sifka was doing well, but it was just four rounds and his two teammates didn't do so well. So, yeah, yeah Strasky going undefeated definitely like, you know, puts Epiphany at the front, the front and center of people's minds. I think this, all the things you're talking about, though, are just, a, it's essentially the microcosm of a small field event played over a short number of rounds. I think that, you know, you have, 16 players turning up to play seven rounds of standard the the variance in any any one result is going to be large you know when only a small number of people turn up with one particular deck and it doesn't look so good on paper or all these sort of things and also the kind of the fact that you were saying that like oh people are unprepared for dragons and then suddenly like dragons just dominated the tournament really like and you know the finals was obviously john emmanuel versus uh yuta takahashi both playing four copies of goldspan dragon and just wreaking havoc with people i mean there's nothing more indicative of like the fact that dragons were under the radar than the fact that you all you all played one copy of power would kill as your like hard removal spell in your grixis deck and it just doesn't kill doesn't kill the dragons at all but it's obviously you're targeting mono green uh playing white you know, mono white as well with, with that card choice and then you know just just so happens that it's it's dragon's day that weekend so i don't i don't think looking at the outcome of worlds actually tells you a huge amount about standard other than this is what very good players, when they're sat down to like play against one another, the levels that they manage to get to. 
you know, where yeah. if you look at the SDG results, I think that's kind of more indicative of maybe kind of the meta as a, as, as a whole or like what happens when you put a larger kind of uh, distribution of player abilities out and, and you know run those run those skills and decks through gauntlets essentially you get a, a more kind of like wild type outcome i guess yeah yeah um i'm not sure what to make of the the results honestly we we did okay overall i think we went 13 and 9 in non-mirror matches in standard yeah one of the, the the downsides of you having a large portion of the field is you play a large portion of mirrors as well yeah, exactly. We played each other. You know, I played Matt in uh, limited. I played Jan in the first round of standard, and um, I think I think our deck was still well rounded. We did okay. We actually beat the is it turns deck a, a few times, and we you know we did well against green. We did well against white. We we did okay overall. It was interesting against Utah's deck. I think we were actually okay game one. Because he doesn't play the iteration, the galvanic iteration, the one that copies turns. So it's actually not super easy for his deck to take over. Whereas game one against the pure is it turns deck is abysmal and it gets much better after sideboard. And against Utah, felt uh, like it was a bit the other way around. I actually played against him at one and three. You know, he, you know, I think most people who follow the worlds know that he went 0 and three in draft and won 11 matches in a row after that. And and I think I was, we all uh, need to know that you do not need to be good at limited to be great at magic. <laughs> and um, yeah, we played. I actually won a really long game one and uh, lost both sideboard games. Didn't feel super good. And he, you know, the, the rest, the rest history just went on on that insane run. Win it, it all. Yeah, it, really it was so was. good to watch. Honestly, from home, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you and a lot of people. Apparently, there's a lot of viewers. I'm not sure what we predicted last last week exactly, but so you know, was... I think the upper the upper bound of our predictions was 20k, and that was Harry, and it, it got more than double that. Um, yeah, we we predicted on 20, the finals. even just for even yeah, because it got 15, 20 on day one and day two, and yeah, over 40 on on Sunday at some point. So that was I'm really not sure cool. Sure, that's to when see. they start viewbotting, but or not viewbotting, but like embedding, but. At the same time, there was definitely a, a bit of hype, and it was nice to see like that many people watching Magic World Championships as well. Like, hopefully, it, it it you know it's a data point that moves a needle at some point in time for decision making down the line. Yeah, I mean, you you bring people an exciting format, and I mean it is world, so it's I guess it's you know also the, the highest profile event of the year, and pe people tune in. Um, so. Hopefully that, you know, gives people at Wizards or, uh, you know, I'm guessing motivations maybe not at an all-time high on their side either, given everything we know and there's probably good CDs numbers. And even if there was, I don't know, embedded views and whatnot, it's still, you're still comparing, you know, to other events and did much better. So that does, that is cool to see. And, um, you know, as far as my tournament, it went really poorly. I was nervous. I was stressed. I didn't play well. I forgot to just relax and try and have fun and just play my game. And draft didn't go well. I wish I had recorded a draft. I did not. We did have to streaming to Discord for them, but 
I'm not sure I can get the footage and I figured I don't want to record it because if it goes poorly and I'm never going to grab this format again, I don't want to just torture myself over bad picks. So I figured I wouldn't record, but I kind of wish I, I had just to, to see if I did anything wrong. And, you know, my draft was really rough. Open a pretty weak pack one. Best card in the pack was Eccentric Farmer. Didn't see much. Kind of tried to draft blue-white. Nothing seemed super open, but I figured at least I'm in blue-white and in the best color combo. So maybe I'll work out for me. I ended up with a really weak deck, just one rare, pretty much no uncommons, pretty much just all commons and one rare. So I don't think my seat was especially bad. The format's a bit weird, I think. The fact that red is so bad. Uh, my theory, I don't know if it makes sense, but is that since one color is so bad, it adds a bunch of variance to the draft because it's it's harder to uh, to end up in quote unquote the right color since one color is almost non-existent and you're maybe a bit more dependent on your seat and the cards that are open around you. Does that make sense to you? A little bit. I mean, I haven't had that negative of an experience with red, but it does generally seem to be uh, worse on average than, than anything else. I don't think we're kind of talking about Battle for Zendikar green levels of unplayable, are we? Like, we just, where you're just better off never doing it. But I, I, I definitely agree with you. I also think that it's a very hard, it was really hard to kind of practice for this event from what I could tell, in the sense that there's not really very many good ways of simulating an eight player pod available in Magic anymore. And that's, and as much as we like kind of like I enjoy the kind of ladder and best of one like ease of play and for of, of arena draft and also like you know magic online leagues meaning there's no dead time between matches it doesn't quite simulate the exact kind of self-correcting dynamic of an eight-person pod at a kind of when eight people sit down to draft and they all know what they're doing which this event was I mean I, I you were you drafted in a pod of eight and you were paired within that pod is that that, that is correct right yeah. You can have decks that feel awful, but are honestly like, you know, at the average power level for the pod. I mean, it looked like one of the draft pods in particular was particularly weak or especially weak, whereas people people's decks like look really bad on paper. But in, in all honesty, these are like, you know, one, two, two, one decks and that's fine. This is just what draft looks like when it's in its most kind of, I guess, kind of normal kind of like equilibrium state, I guess. Yeah, it was it was not easy to replicate the conditions. You know, we we drafted on Magic Online, we drafted on Arena. I tried to draft best of three as much as possible, but you know, you get you get a lot of you get much better decks, obviously, than when everyone's fighting for the right cards. You don't get any gifts, and people might be counter drafting a bit more aggressively. So it it was tough, and um. I was, in hindsight, honestly happy to get one win out of the draft. I beat a deck that was much better than mine. And then I almost actually beat Sam Party, even though his deck was really good. I felt like my deck lined up kind of okay against his on game one. And it was, game two was really close. And maybe if I played a bit better and sideboarded the right cards, it would have worked out. I got, I got blown out by Matt. It was a bit unfortunate. They actually... The only game I got featured was my game two against Matt that was never really close. And, you know, we had actually played a really sweet and close game one. So that was kind of unfortunate. And, um, yeah, moved on to standard after that. 
I uh, first round I get paired against Yan the mirror match, and I actually time out. I was livid after the match. Obviously, it's on me. I played slow. He still had, you know, it's 30 minutes clocks, and he had six minutes left on his clock, so he had a full, you know, 20% extra. But uh, it was, you know, it was brutal. It was him at one life, me one turn away. He had to win. He had to draw something relevant the, the last two turns of the game to even survive. And, you know, we're teammates in the back of my mind. I was like, maybe he'll, you know, he'll scoop. But, I, you know, I don't think he should. And, you know, I was, I was, I was, upset after the match really upset on myself and you know we talked about it you know he messaged me he's like you know guessing you know i don't remember what he said and i was like you know you have nothing to feel bad about it's it's all on me but it, it doesn't matter you know it's still really rough i think i was able to kind of shrug it away i think i played pretty good against utah and in, in in our match, I won a close game one, couldn't match in sideboard, and I was really feeling down, you know, one in four, biggest tournament of the year, and it just sucked. So tried to tried to regroup for day two. I I played better. I was more relaxed because the stakes weren't as high. I basically had to go five and zero oh and hope for my breakers to be really good to have a shot. I um I did not. I went three and two. I thought I might actually get a little extra cash, but I came in 13, so bottom four. Um, in payouts, so that was not great. But uh, my, my teammates were doing well, so that was cool. My teammates were doing well. Jan and Matt ended up playing. We kind of got all unlucky with the, the whole tiebreaker situation. Basically, Andre and Utah clinched their top four with seven wins. And then... The third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place players were all tied. But the way the breakers work, if there was that many tied players, it was only three that would play versus six for one of the slots and 4v5 for the other one. So Ili Cassis ended up seven on breakers. So he didn't even get to play for top four. And then Matt and Jan played each other when they could have gotten paired against, you know, Sam and, and Johnny Manuel and have, like, reasonable matchups, and we, we maybe would have put two in the top four. So that, that was rough. Um, Jan, Jan got it. Jan beat Matt. And uh, he, he won his miracle first-round match against Andre. Andre was maybe seen as a favorite in the top four, kind of had a rough rough Sunday. He, he didn't have the greatest draws. He, he, he didn't play his best. And, uh, you know, it was looking like maybe Jan could get it done. But um, Jean-Emmanuel, honestly, kind of, for me, the big surprise, because I think a lot of people looked at his deck list, and it really didn't look like, you know, it wasn't really in the meta. It was kind of a week one deck, you know, kind of red-green splash counters, the, the old the old Gruel Magda deck, except you don't have Lustra Beast and Innkeeper anymore. And... Um, we were even testing against the deck, and it seemed like we were doing good, but Jean-Manuel did solid. He, he beat Green a bunch. He beat Jan in a best-of-three matches. So, you know, and it was kind of close with Utah, but kind of close for a second in the finals, but Utah ended up, you know, winning somewhat convincingly. And um, 
yeah, it was amazing to watch you to win this tournament just after starting 03 and draft and then just all the kind of like, there's just a bunch of really good beats along the way. Like, you know, he's obviously that, that kind of video react of him making top eight was amazing and kind of did the rounds a lot on social media and just watching his general enjoyment and excitement for doing this thing. Like, obviously, Yuta's kind of been around for ages and ages. Like, I remember seeing Yuta in top eight to tournaments in like 20, 2008 or whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure Yuta top eight at my first pro, the first pro tour I went to. And I've played against him at PT Brussels before. And the guy just clearly loves magic and like he's been around for ages. And this is like the pinnacle of achievement. So it was just really cool to watch him enjoy himself like that on camera. It was kind of one of the highlights of the weekend for me, at least. Yeah, I'm not sure he was really on anyone's radar, really, when talking about predictions or strongest player in the field. But, you know, he had a great season in Rivals. He qualified quote on the code the the hard way you know being consistent throughout the year and uh did his own thing you know he tested with two of the other japanese players the the two pros and they decided to play model wide and he was like you know what i'm just gonna gonna do my own thing you know he's famous for playing fairies and that that's that strat kind of is similar in some ways so is I guess it, it shouldn't be a surprise really, and it was yeah, it was really awesome to see the emotion, and you know, it's also yeah, just really cool, really good for the game too. Whenever you get these clips, I guess, and hopefully you know, hopefully that that motivates wizards to to maybe rethink what they want to do with organized play. You know, maybe that's maybe that's something we we needed. Yeah, it's hard to recreate moments like that from terms of like a marketing perspective and kind of like a cultural perspective when you're just when you're only outlets so kind of like arena opens or whatnot. I wanted to I wanted to think a little talk to talk a little bit about the way you built his deck. I thought it was really an interesting approach to this kind of blue red dragons deck, which you know if if you were truly kind of trying to like play an open field, it might not look quite quite this way. But if you expected to play against a lot of mono green and mono white. I love the choices that he made. He was there was no nonsense. He was just four dragons, egg, bunch of Moonvale regents, four four goldspan dragons, and then just like really good removal spells. And he clearly identified the four toughness as the critical point. And you know, so he had the demon bolts and he had the um and the dragons fires rather than trying to do anything particularly tricky like no frost bites or anything like that. It was just a really well well built deck for the field. No no extraneous main deck counters or anything. Just getting it done clean and simple in game one, and then adjusting post sideboard. I, I really, I really like the 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 build he the build he had for this tournament. And obviously, it worked out really nicely too. Yeah, he even went down to only three epiphanies, kind of making his curve a little leaner. He still had the four memory deluge. He had the four hermits in the sideboard. That's such a key card. I was actually surprised that the check only had two, but. Playing the deck a tiny bit, you don't have a ton of cards to board out in in these uh, these mirror matches. But I think you you probably still won for her. I mean, that card's so good. I I felt I like that card. you know yeah I didn't get as many reps as I wanted to, but at some point you know I was starting to wonder how aggressively you should mulligan if you don't have a hermit because I play these matchups against you know the pseudo mirror matches and my opening hand would be something like four lands, a duress, a celestus, and you know, O'Lear, which sounds like a fine hand, but the matchup's not easy. And 
I was starting to wonder, am I even supposed to keep a hand that's not, you know, I feel like either I needed at least a Hermit in my opening hand or something really, really strong, like, you know, the perfect, maybe free lands iteration, discard go blank, maybe Galvanic iteration plus, plus go blank was a way to win too, so. Actually, yeah. one thing I really liked about your Grixis deck is the spike, the spike field hazards is a really nice, clean answer to both sides of, of Deranged Hermit. Yeah, that card is important. We started with, I think, one in the main, one in the sideboard, decided, why not say the sideboard, you know, tried to make a bit of room in, in the main, added to the main. I think the check, mostly it's had, you know, one or two spike field in the main deck and maybe an extra one in the sideboard. And that card is good against Hermit, but sometimes you can play around it. And um, it is nice to keep your open and honest when you lead with on tap red. They kind of have to think twice before attacking out to a hermit. So definitely a good card. Also, it was decent against some versions of green, the versions of green that had Lotus Cobra. So definitely, definitely an important card. And um, you know, maybe we should even had had more, but the, the the mana was a little tricky. We actually had a the second spike field as a smashing for a long time. And we just decided to play to to hazard instead. I honestly think it's really hard to see shadow spell smashing killing any creatures in your Grixis deck. At least in terms that it's particularly relevant. It is ex it is expensive, but it also is untapped mana, which is not a trivial consideration. You know, we only played two whole of the storm can it's called the blue man land sometimes it's it's the best card you know it wins you so many games when you even just having sit in there against the green decks they get to a point where if you dealt with most of the creatures and you untap with hall just say go and they can't really attack there's a scenario that actually comes up a lot where sometimes they'll have to make a bad attack just so you don't get to flash back your memory deluge so that card can be super key but Having you know between Jari's disruption, Spikefield Hazard, the halls, that's decent bit that comes decent bit of lands that come into play tapped, and you're a deck that's really mana hungry, especially you know, even in the later turns when you're playing a card like Clear, when you're playing Epiphany, you know, when you you need to be able to cast these cards on curve or be able to cast Lear with a mana up. So it was it was all tricky to to figure out the, the right configuration, you know. Yeah. I mean, your deck is certainly mana hungry, and you know you've even got good outlets for excess land in your deck as well. So, because this kind of brings us nicely to the Celestis, which I think is probably the most surprising card. That it's definitely not a card that I expected people to have high on the list of cards that would show up in large numbers at Worlds. So, why don't you talk a little bit about Celestis in general? Because I know that that question gets asked of you a lot. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about that card yet. It was the first time I heard about it. It was. One of my subs on Twitch, Vegas Macy, they told me that they were playing a bunch of Celestis with the new Teferi, and Historic actually was both Teferi, and that card was really good for them. And I kind of kind of laughed it off, you know, didn't seem like so great, but we started playing with the card and it was just really good. We were playing in our blue-black decks and our Esper decks. We you know I think it's probably good even in in is it decks. I don't know if people started that playing that card in is it turns or is it dragons, but yeah, we're just in love. We were even playing the card in Golgari Snow and just felt really strong. And I remember while we were testing, I always had streams open and 
checking out what's going on online. And I would get quote unquote so tilted when I was seeing these people play with the, the stadium in their deck, the Strixhaven Stadium, when they could just be playing the Celestis because we, we thought that card, you know, we were just loving the card, thought it was super, super strong. I think it's probably, you know, not as strong as I'm making out to be, but def definitely super solid card. And I was wondering actually if anyone else was going to show up with the Celestis, but turns out we, we were the, the only ones. There are only people brave enough to turn night into day or day into night. Yeah. So says that a lot on it. It just has so many lines of text and all the reference day and night. I don't know if you, you're joking or not, but it was actually one of the trivia questions during Worlds that was how many times do they say day or night on the Celestis? It's like nine or something, right? Yeah, so their choices were one, two, four, or ten. Wow, I definitely take ten. Yeah, I was like, four sounds low, but ten's like some sounds like so many. Yeah, it was actually ten. It was it was so funny because I had it's Andrew with me, you know, doing the, the yeah the watch party, and he was kind of making fun, always making these defend the solicits jokes, etc. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I was enjoying watching uh, coverage on your stream. I didn't actually watch any of the main broadcasts. I was watching uh, via your rebroadcast and commentary, predominantly with Cunio, I suppose. He's definitely an entertaining man to have in your, in your Discord chat. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it commentary more. It's just hanging out and talking about oh, it. Was sense, definitely but it was, yeah, it was fun. And um, yeah, that card was really good for us. It made a ton of sense. You know, we're not completely a tap out deck, but we don't really have counter spells. So it's not as big of a deal tapping on in your turn. We also have a bunch of one mana spells. We had a couple of the rest. We had the four fading hopes, spike field hazard. So card just yeah. made a ton of sense in the deck. Being able to just go turn three, turn three Celestis, duress you, take your memory deluge, or you know maybe maybe snipe an epiphany or whatnot, is a, or even the chariot. Yeah, is a, it's it's really a big game. I, I really like the way your deck was built, and I played a bunch of games with it uh, in the week before in the lead up to Worlds. And honestly, just looting away excess excess mana with the Celestis, or just like removal spells going away, flipping night into day for three mana, like that, that's a pretty good mana rock by by all by today's standards. Yeah, it was. I was I was kind of happy. There was a lot of people trying out the deck after the deck list got leaked, and you know, I was getting echoed that the deck was doing well. We we started testing our matchups. It, it was not all roses, but we still felt okay going in. And um, I've played the deck a bit since. I think the deck's still strong, honestly. I you know would maybe play an extra go blank in the sideboard, adapt a bit. The, the removal suit and, and make you know still still uh looking to tune the deck but I, i've played the deck a bit since and it has still felt good so we'll see you know there's an arena open this weekend there's also the red bull tournament that's uh, at a euro friendly time it starts at 9 a.m on saturday i'm not exactly sure what i'm gonna do this weekend because i'm uh i'm in full-blown dota mode right now watching the international i was actually supposed to to go there in Romania to watch Shaven Live, but the live crowd got canceled at the last second. So been enjoying a bit of that. And um, uh, it's it's downtime for you as well. Like you know, obviously this is the end of the end of the kind of pro pro calendar, pro season calendar. Like you're entitled to your time off and your break and your vacation. Yeah. Enjoy Dota. Yeah, that's I guess that's that's a, a reasonable excuse. And um so yeah, I've been doing that. I might I might maybe 
play uh, just play the turns on the side of stream or maybe record them and um you know make a make a video of it there's um that's probably a, a nice jumping off point for us to, for talking about uh youtube versus uh versus twitch revenue the twitch leaks yeah the, the twitch leaks i was thinking maybe i guess we can talk about it again with harry but yeah for those of yeah, you I think, I think this is something we should definitely go into in detail with harry because this is this is definitely harry's domain of thought and kind of like yeah harry put a lot of conscious effort and thought into like you know where the most what, what the optimal way to go about making magic content is and uh, these twitch leaks have taught us anything it's that not a huge number of people get to make a huge amount of money yeah but it's interesting to see what does go on behind the scenes yeah no totally for those of you who missed it they was a leak with the revenues of the two top i don't know twenty thousand streamers or something their revenue over the past couple of years and nothing too too surprising from my uh, viewpoint as far as the magic players go you know i'm actually pretty open about it on my stream i'll just once in a while the subject will come up and i'll tell people how make how much i make with twitch and i'll i'll show the you know the revenue page the, the analytics and um so that happens and another thing that happened is that Calvert Go Blue, who's the biggest YouTube magic YouTuber, shared um, shared his his you know he made a video about it. He he shared how much he made of Twitch. You know he doesn't stream a ton of hours, but he's it's more about YouTube and he make he makes thirty grand a week was YouTube or a month was YouTube. And as far as I could tell, it looks like he uploads one video a day. Just you know he's been doing it for a few years and. You know, his content blew up with Arena. I think he does best of one Arena. He's just been super consistent. I don't watch his stream a ton, but he's always really entertaining whenever I I, uh, I watch. And, um, you know, you got me wondering if maybe I shouldn't, you know, start start getting more seriously in the YouTube game. I never even knew you could, you know, I, I knew he was, you know, I knew there was a couple of big magic YouTubers, but I didn't realize he, he gets like, I think his daily videos get, 80k views whereas to give you an idea i just kind of upload my vod slightly edited and um i get like maybe a few a thousand views per video or something but yeah i was as my mind was blown and um it was kind of just interesting you know got me thinking anyways and i think it's probably gonna get a lot of you might all of a sudden see a lot more uh magic streamers get more seriously into YouTube. Yeah, I, I, I've already seen the tweets coming out like, oh, yes, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, putting more effort into my YouTube channel. <laughs> you know, just trying to be, you know, even get a small, small amount of, uh, a, get, get their, you know, get, get their big wet uh, as, as it would be in this kind of big YouTube money. It's definitely interesting to see the disparate disparity between how much you can make on YouTube versus how much you can make on Twitch. Like Twitch feels like the sort of thing where you put in all this time and this effort, and you yeah. know, that should that should lead to this reward or whatnot. But there's just nowhere near the volume of traffic and clearly of people, and also the amount of ad revenue is just trivial in comparison to what they generate on YouTube. It seems. Yeah, exactly. The the ad revenue is a big difference, and I think it's kind of a well known fact that you're very very unlikely to to get rich streaming on Twitch. You know, most people do it for fun and. Um, you know, you should definitely not have expectations and even, you know, some of the big streamers and 
in magic you know i don't i i have like one of i think i was in i'm like top 10 magic streamers and i don't make like crazy amount of money so but yeah i, I had no idea you could you could get so big with, with magic on youtube so it'll be interesting to see what happens you know i, I definitely have some thinking to do uh, and um i'll be it'll be interesting to see if a lot of magic players start uh, focusing more on YouTube because I mean I, I can see it. Though. I've been I've been kind of watching more YouTube videos recently, and I guess they you know the way the ads work. I don't even really get how the ads work to be honest because I don't I feel like I never get an ad when I watch YouTube videos. Oh I'm no, sure. I, I never get it. Okay, there's there's so yes I do get ads, but it's I only really really get ads when I watch uh, videos for Teddy. So like if we watch like. Wiggles videos or like nursery rhyme videos or whatever. There's heaps of ads in those, and so we realized we have to get over to YouTube Kids, which doesn't have any ads involved in it, and that was really good. Yeah. But now, if I ever see ads for things on YouTube, it's just at the start of videos, and it's always for like some child product or something for like mums or whatever. So I really feel like uh my my YouTube uh, ad algorithm is very very confused. It's like a cross between kind of like children's nursery rhymes, magic, and then kind of like hip-hop and metal videos or whatever so it shows me like very 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 bizarre combination of ads but yeah i don't i don't see them very much in the middle of in the middle of uh i mean I middle mean, of videos that's yeah. how we do have um ad block on yeah i guess uh, I've, I've, so. ad block. i guess i see them on my phone i don't think i have an ad block on, on my phone so when i watch youtube videos on my phone i get them but yeah anyways we can probably talk about that more well this is definitely a harry, a harry yeah. area of, of, of discussion but it's certainly interesting to see and especially with like professional magic kind of you know going off into the distance like how people rebrand themselves or try to stay you know in touch with magic and make that their, their job when really like you know a, a lot of people who have played professional magic don't want to go and get a different job yeah they played didn't play professional magic because it was cushy and they want the perks they play professional magic because they like magic yeah and so is there another way to monetize it and i think this twitch leak has been pretty important in terms of kind of like kind of revealing what's going on behind the curtains in terms of like, you know, how, how much there is available and then like, you know, sparking further discussions like this covert go blue video as well. Mm -hmm. It's the sort of thing where like workplaces are like, Oh, don't discuss how much you make with other, with other, with other colleagues. It's kind of when people start saying that sort of stuff is like, kind of, I you really want to know what's going on behind the scenes. That point. Yeah. Now that it's all revealed now from, from the Twitch front. And I think that's actually a really good thing for the, for the industry and for the, for people thinking about getting into it. Yeah. So just coming back around to standard again, obviously this um this open this weekend. I know going into this tournament you built this Grixis deck because you thought the green was obviously the best the best thing to do. And so you probably liked your matchup there going into the tournament. Do you still feel that way coming out of the tournament? Like do you still think that deck the Grixis deck is like favored against like an average build of mono green? Yeah, I think it is. I mean small sample, we did okay. I actually played against green only once in a turn. I played a ton of blue red decks and um i think it is i still think green is pretty decent against the is it decks to be honest and you've, you've got white doing well there's also you know the option to play best of one and you probably want to be mono white in best of one from what i've heard you know i saw juza tweeted he's probably going to play mono white if he plays best of one on day one and then on day two which is best of three he'll probably play either mono white or is it dragons and um yeah it seems like people people are enjoying standard right now 
there's still a lot of stuff to figure out and we we get the the rotation soon or not the rotation but we there's a new extension that comes soon there's also the classic band talks you know does epiphany need to go that Sarah needs to go and honestly personally not yeah. sure no nah, they come on I think the format's fine, but you know, I was I heard the argument that like, oh, worst case, if Epiphany and Sherrod are too good, they can always like see what happens with a new set and then ban them later. But I think, I think that's was, the most sensible thing with with, with a, a new set arriving within like, you know, you know, within less than a month or whatnot, and like obviously this other industry has only been out like a month as well. It's like a pretty fast back to back release. I actually think it's a really nice thing that Wizards are doing in some respect. I know it's kind of like, you know, saturation of uh, product to, to keep track of, but I like the idea of having two sets that are kind of connected together in other kind of like old, like two or three set block structures. I think it's kind of nice. But with, with that with that change coming up, you know, the changes the format at least, why, why would we make bands at this point in time, especially considering, you know, the results were entirely inconclusive from, yeah. from, from, from Worlds and whatnot. Well, there's an argument that Epiphany is just not a very fun card to play against, even though I don't think it's that true. I feel like, first of all, it's not like, oh, you get to Epiphany mana, you win the game, even if you cast a couple in a row. That's not necessarily true. And, I, mean, I think um, it's pretty reasonable to expect that if you cast a bunch of six mana sorceries in a row that you should have a reasonable advantage. Do yeah. You know, do you know what I think actually saves Epiphany in terms of like making it not horrible a horrible experience all around this is a lack of oppressively good planeswalkers so it's not like you're epiphanying on a board where you've got a planeswalker that's just generating you insurmountable value it's just like two birds rather than two birds and two activations of your planeswalker i i, I really i really think the the toning down of planeswalkers means that time walks are kind of less egregious at the moment yeah you've got cards like goldspan dragon and sometimes the the egg but that that's definitely a good point and um yeah but to get back to that you know you know if you ban epiphany maybe you know the mid range the mid range yeah, decks become too strong um andrew kuno is also making the argument that you shouldn't wait for the new set because the first two weeks of a new standard are the most exciting ones and if chariot and epiphany are still too good if they even are too good you kind of ruined the first two weeks of New Standard, and that's not a good thing. So I thought that was a sen- sensible argument. I feel as though you get those two weeks back whenever you ban. All right, yeah. I mean, I always err on the side of not banning and letting people adapt unless it's really, really bad. And um, yeah, I, you know, the the, mo- the the winning thing, if anything, maybe the, the card that should be banned is Faceless Haven, because the, the data I was saying Monolite was, was doing the best. Yeah, I mean, Faceless Haven is obviously an incredibly powerful magic card for standard level play. All these, all these colorless, uh, colorless creature lands are. It's, but they're just a weird target of bands. I think doesn't yeah. look very good. And yeah, it's it's tough. It's the sort of thing where like you know you can say yeah, dies to Doomblade and it gives you like an advantage against sweepers. And there are there are sweepers in this format. There's Doomscar. There's um, Burn Down the House. Uh, all this sort of stuff, and it's nice to have tools like like Faithless Haven. Maybe the fourth point of power on Faithless, Faithless Haven is kind of <laughs> a little bit a little bit too far. But at the same time, there's heaps of other creature lands in the format. You can play whatever you. There'll be creature lands regardless of whatever you do. Like this, Den of the Bugbear, Hall of the Storm Giants you were mentioning before, Lair of the Lair of the Hydra. All these sort of, all these cards are good. 
They're, yeah. they're, they're not on the same level, though. I mean, the of red one is pretty decent. The green one's facile. The, the black one's actually one of the better ones, maybe not the, the most played yeah. coloring standard right now, though. Yeah, there's not really a single black deck in standard. To be perfectly fair, but at the same time, its ability has gotten more relevant with flashback coming back in in, in the latest in this red set. I, I definitely agree with you. Obviously, not on the same power level. I mean, it's just an unconditional coming to play on tap land. Yeah, these are uh, yeah those ones that turn into four power creatures are pretty pretty serious. But um, I don't know. I don't think you can really sit there and just talk about banning that banning a cut like faceless face, face, faceless haven. Yeah, I just don't want to ban anything. I just people. I think people just need to suffer through some stuff for a while. It's uh, they, they they had too many bands for too long. I think you just got to have a cooling off period and get get back to a kind of healthier mindset of just being like, you know, this isn't actually bad. You have to just play this format where there's like two or three or four decks. And yeah, it's kind of okay. <laughs> that's yeah, totally exactly. Fun. Yeah, I agree. I think people have unrealistic expectations of perfectly balanced format with ten different playable decks, and I think people got also just kind of complacent in a way. People don't try to innovate, just, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's kind of these vicious circles where people kind of net deck, they don't try, and then leads to like still formats and yeah. leads to complaining. Yeah, they complain, but the Celestis was staring in their face this entire time. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like we're kind of getting out of it. It definitely feels like that, but obviously, like, this weekend was very much kind of like, oh, obviously Epiphany needs to go because Andre Skrowski won four matches in a row. Yeah. Like, the dude is obviously obscenely good, and someone's got to go for someone's got to go for her own standard. Yeah, and I think this this world was kind of good, honestly. You've got, first of all, you, you, you had a bunch of original decks that people showed up with. You had Jean-Emmanuel, who went all the way to the finals without Epiphany in his deck was kind of a home... I mean, it's not really a homebrew, but not really uh, a deck just, someone it's expected. It's just red-green red, Magda. It's just a deck that you couldn't possibly win an MPL league match with for like three leagues in a row or whatever. <laughs> I think that deck was actually good. I just probably ran really, really bad. Anyways, yeah, it's definitely, I definitely tell myself that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Di different variants of, of Turin. You know, we showed up... I mean, we had a Puffini in our deck, but it was a little original, and our deck was definitely competitive, so... Yeah. I, 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 certainly, I certainly agree with you. And I mean... We also just saw, I think the evidence of the healthy metagame is the fact that people were unprepared for Goldspan Dragon, and Goldspan Dragon turned up and did well. It's not like Goldspan Dragon's a card that no one saw coming. It's a card that people were like, I have my priorities elsewhere. Like I, I'm prioritizing being strong against Chariot and maybe Renin Six, and also having some space in my brain for Epiphany and like play, you know, making sure I'm accounting for those threats. Oh, oh, look, Mono White's been doing well. Maybe I'm going to make some a small adjustment that way. And suddenly yeah. people are like 4-4 four, four Flying Haste. And you're like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Like, that's just what a healthy metagame looks like, in my opinion. And maybe this is not, it's not perfect, and it's not as good as it possibly could be, but this is just what it looks like. Yeah. You, you know, some things are good. Some things are like you're at the top of the, the, top of the format, and they, they don't win the tournament because people slept on some, something else. I, I, it's... Yeah. You can't you can't have everything, and this is a fine a fine thing to do. Just wait for the next set and just see what happens. I think that said, I do think it, you know obviously, I think I honestly think I I, I dislike chariots the experience of chariot far more than I dislike the experience of epiphany. Chariot is just a lot of lot of lot of stats for very little matter and not much you can do about it. Yeah, I agree. Chariot is is kind of oppressive. I was thinking about when you were talking about 
um, that stuff. I was I think that's it's cool in a way that I you know I test a lot for worlds and I played in worlds and I've been looking at the data and I'm still not sure what's going on. And I guess that's yeah. a good sign, right? I completely agree. I think that's a great sign. I think that you know we had we have disparate results coming out of worlds versus the SEG opens that weekend. You know, you had some pre you had some ideas going into this tournament, but are, are more confused coming out of it. I think that's a great spot to be. I mean, if you're probably the most che- you know focused in on magic out of anybody you possibly could be, and you don't quite know the answer, it seems like everybody. I'd be surprised if anyone else knew, knows the answer. You know, with any like serious degree of confidence, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you really want to kind of get in get into this week? Not especially. I don't think so. Yeah, it's been a pretty kind of like obviously yeah, you were really like, focused for worlds and like that was you know, a uh, you know took took a lot of your mental energy and like I've started you know uh, teaching semester started up so I've been pretty pretty busy at work and obviously Harry is busy writing lines. Um, yeah, so we haven't got, haven't played a massive amount of Magic outside of the, the world's prep. I just wanted to kind of. I guess maybe we should wrap up. It was just a good tournament to watch. It was nice to watch a Magic tournament where I was kind of excited and kind of cared about the results of. Yeah, I agree. And it had a lot of really good games too. Despite the number of Epiphany decks in the tournament, there were a lot of exciting games. I heard the limited... I didn't get to watch as much limited coverage. I heard the limited matches were kind of lame as a lot of one player getting screwed or one player getting ran over. And, you know, they could have maybe showed more matches, showed a bit more of the draft... And more more than a couple drafts, that does a bit, I think, disappointing. They should have maybe yeah, just having, done more draft at Worlds. stage and just yeah. not not quite meeting meeting the, the expectations. That said, limited coverage at other Pro Tours has also been a little bit kind of... Yeah. It's, it's hard to spice up limited. It's hard to make it to make it glossy yeah. and exciting. It's hard to get excited about attacking two twos into three threes, really. Yeah, they did a good job at Worlds last year. But uh, yeah, hope, hopefully we see we see more of that. And what else did I want to say? Yeah, apologies to anyone who was just hoping uh, for answers as far as what to play in turns this weekend. They were probably thinking, well, Gav tested a ton. He played in Worlds. He played a bit since. Surely, gonna get great insight on on what the best decks are. But I'm. I'm honestly not sure. They must be new listeners to the podcast if they're expecting great insights into the metagame. <laughs> yeah. I think the Grixis Slayer deck is, is still cool and, and solid if you want to play that. I'm sure Monogreen, you know, I could I could see myself just playing Monogreen in in the in the in the open as well if I do play. So yeah, sorry, I guess is what I want to say. <laughs> we really shouldn't be apologizing for the product in the middle of the product. <laughs> anyway, I think that that leaves us in a reasonable spot to play everybody's least favorite game, Price is Right. All right. Why don't we do Epiphany, I guess? No, no, come on. If you've got, if you think it's anything other than the Celestis, you're kidding yourself. All right, let's do the Celestis. Yeah, right. Celestis it is. Hang on, give me some. Give me a second to look it up. All right, I have my answer. Shouldn't we do at least Lear because it's a mythic? Celestis is a rare. It's gonna be like one euro. Is it? 
Is it really yeah. rare? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's 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 do the Celestis and then we'll do the Leo. Okay. All right, let's do both. Three, two, one, two fifty. For what? The Celestis. Oh, I, I say one euro for Celestis and five euros for Lear. Six, six wow. euros for Lear. Six euros for Lear? Okay, well, I was definitely wrong about Celestis. Celestis is 72 euro cents. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it was actually a rare. Okay, all right, Lear, I think Lear is going to be like eight, eight, eight euro. Okay. Oh, seven, six, six euro sixty. Nice. These are the yeah. prices on on card market, by the way. It's what the one week average. I, I take this. I take the yeah the seven day average price. So yeah. All right. So yeah. I crushed you. You Easy absolutely zero. decimated me. Also, I just couldn't care less. <laughs> All right. Um, should we should we still put our life on the line for a standard this weekend? I think I, like I, we I definitely think we should put the life on the line. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who are new listening and expected deep strategic advice, this is where it happens. This is life on the line. It's a theoretical tournament that's happening tomorrow. Uh, and the stakes are that if we win, we get to continue living our lives. And if we lose, well, that's it. <laughs> Done. Eradicated from this earth. I'm not sure if we've uh, decided whether or not, like, every kind of, like, mention of our existence throughout history is erased or if, like, our loved ones mourned us. But, uh, yeah, but essentially, if you lose, you die. So we're going to, we usually talk about whatever formats we've been discussing on the podcast. So this week is obviously standard. Gab, what are you bringing to this tournament? I'm gonna go with I'm hesitating uh, between green and Grixis Lear. I'll just go with Grixis Lear, you know, make a few tweaks. And uh, I guess open deck list, though, right? Yeah, you get a not in the arena open. No, not in the maybe, arena open, no. Yeah. Honestly, maybe if it's not open deck list, maybe I just go with mono green. Yeah, I, also just bearing in mind that we're talking about best of three rather than best of one. I I have no thoughts on best of one ever. Um, yeah, I think I think I'd be I think I would, I would slant aggro. I think I'm going to choose mono green or mono white as well. I just think the raw power is just there. Are you question? Are you going to play uh, the enchantment or are you going to play red and six? That I don't know. I need to I need to do either testing or research. Right. Okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the enchantment. I think the enchantment is really good. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would play four. How many do oh, you would play? I think I think the list I have on Arena at the moment actually has a mixture of a mixture of both Ren and and the enchantment. Yeah, maybe like one or two enchantments and one Ren, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we're both playing mono green in this tournament. All right, that's fantastic. Hopefully, I'll see you next week. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those of you who are listening at home and have made it this far in the episode, we love you. Thank you so much. Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash Yellowhead on Twitter at Gab Nassif. And I guess I also do have a YouTube channel where I upload my VODs for now. Nothing super elaborate, but... Yeah. Quickly, go and watch his videos, subscribe, etc. <laughs> uh, you can find Harry, anyone on the internet, is HarryMTG, if you're really interested. And uh, you can find me preparing desperately to teach second-year students magnetic resonance which i have my first tutorial my first like proper like lecture and tutorial next week so wish me luck yeah uh right. guess i'll see you next week yeah thank you so much for listening everyone yeah. thanks take for care everyone bye goodbye